got we got a lot of stuff to get through, a lot of important work. So uh, let's jump right in. Screenagers, welcome back into another edition of the Canon, the only movie podcast providing you with a watch list of the most essential movies. We obviously have another great movie for you today. We're going to be talking about James Cameron's uh, The Terminator. I always drop the the. I like to just call it Terminator, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, on today's episode, we've got uh, two of my favorite guests back on. We're doing another Double D episode. Duke <laughs> and Dahl, how are you guys doing? Welcome back to the canon. How's it going, howdy, gentlemen? Howdy. Good, how's it going? Doing well. Um, so when I was like laying out the schedule for you know release dates of, of all these episodes uh, for the season, I was thinking that this would be a fun one to do today. It is the day after Halloween, or at least that's when this episode is dropping. May not necessarily be when you're listening to it, uh, listener, but you know, figured that this movie is kind of you know spooky adjacent, and we'll get into you know some of that stuff uh, as we get into the movie. But uh, I figured this this would be a cool way to you know a cool way to sort of cool down, cool way to cool down. This would be an interesting way to cool down from the uh, the Halloween season. So excited yeah. to have you guys on. Doll, as I understand, you are uh, Screen Age Wasteland's foremost expert on all things Terminator. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say about this movie. And Duke, I know that you are a fan of all things 80s. So also excited to hear about what what you have to say about this. 80s Any, and time travel. It's you are for, the time travel guy. I do like time travel too. So yeah. Love it. Any uh, Any big news? from either of your camps that we need to talk about anything going on uh, since, since we last had you on either of you snowed snowed up here in Canada. So, you know, just uh, building the igloo for the winter. Of course, of course. Oh, are we talking, are we talking weather? Or are we talking projects we're working on? Cause that's how I took it. Oh, a bit of both, a bit of both. I, I just meant anything uh, Duke, you know, just took it what the weather route, but you know, who doesn't oh, love a good weather conversation? It's Canadian. <laughs> and you say I'm old. It's either hot or it's either cold. <laughs> There's no one between up here. It's funny that Duke is the youngest saw member, but somehow acts like the oldest. No, loves no, all things eighties. <laughs> loves Dogger talking just... about the weather. <laughs> uh... Hey, it just got cold down here, so uh, I could I could blab about the weather too. It was like 86 yesterday, and today it's I think it was hit a topped out at 45 or something like that. You Fahrenheiters. 86 is cold. We need some no 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 no. It was 86 yesterday. Today it was today it was 45. Oh okay. I thought you were saying like yeah, it's finally cold down here in Texas. It finally cooled <laughs> down to 85 degrees. <laughs> I was like, that's insane. <laughs> No, no, but no, 40, no. 45 makes a lot more sense for, for it, it's and colder here. It's a wet, we have, we typically have wet, cold weather too, which makes it a bit different. I, I'm sure you're in New York, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you get that. It's wet here. Yeah. I was just, I had a, a lovely trip out West. I was in Mexico. I was in sunny San Diego. I was in LA and it was beautiful there. Like just amazing amazing weather, like 75 and sunny every day. And I got back to New York and it's like cold and rainy and not going to lie. I kind of missed it, especially during, uh, you know, this time of year, it just feels appropriate for that to be the weather. But, um, San Diego. I don't yeah, think San anyone, 
San Diego is beautiful. It was my first time there. I don't think anyone is here though to listen to us blabber about the weather for you know an extended period of time. So I think we should probably just jump into the Terminator because because that's what folks are here for. Um, no, I was going to do the intro music, but I butchered it right away. So that that sounded a little like Law and Order. Well, it's kind of similar, I think, at the beginning. The Terminator intro, a little I feel bit, like yeah, it's like dun dun. I don't know. <laughs> hey, if you want to watch a movie, if you want to watch a movie that's about uh, a little bit about the weather and about California, you should definitely see uh, L.A. Story. Interesting. Which has a little bonus recommendation with, has absolutely nothing to do with Terminator. <laughs> you should definitely see that movie. <laughs> <laughs> a, bo- a bonus, the rare bonus recommendation on the front end. We love it. You can absolutely love it. Up to you. No, we're gonna keep. We're keeping it in. <laughs> We're keeping it in. We're playing it live, uh, but yeah, let's do this. Let's let's uh, let's talk about Terminator. A- as I said a little bit earlier, Dahl is the uh, foremost expert on all things Terminator, and Duke is our expert and enthusiast on all things '80s and all things time travel. So we've really got the the perfect uh, folks on this episode to be talking about the movie, gentlemen. You you know where we like to start when we uh, when we get into our our uh, canon episode or movies of the week. We always like to talk through our early experiences with the movie, first time watching, how we sort of relate to it. What's our, what's your overall history with this movie? And Dahl, I, I want to start with you first. So this is tough because I, I know I saw it early, you know, and I'm old enough to have seen it back when it, when it came out in the theater. I know I didn't see it then because I was, I was, I was too young for that, but I'm sure I was too young to have seen it when I did see it. I was probably, oh man, I don't think I was t- 10 years old when I saw Terminator. It was probably a TV cut though. So maybe it wasn't as, you know, violent or, mm-hmm. or whatever. But yeah, I remember seeing all these movies like this, Terminator, Conan, you know, you name it. And it was just, yeah, it was on TV all the time. Um, my aunt had a video store that she managed and we would go over there and, and, you know, scare quotes, rent movies. And so we always had things like Terminator laying around. And I don't know, we were big fans of Schwarzenegger in my house. Uh, you know, I think Conan probably touched that off. I remember my dad was a big Conan uh, comic book reader. And he he always had this, he, he said, if, if they could get someone to play Conan, it would be, Schwarzenegger would be perfect for it that's just based on like the old, I guess, Marvel comics or whatever. So, um, he was, I think Mm -hmm. already kind of a fan. So once Conan came out and Schwarzenegger's star was on the rise, we just kind of watched pretty much everything that came out, you know, with Conan, I mean, with Conan, with, yeah, with Schwarzenegger. And a a lot of it, we went to see at the theater. I know I saw T2 there, but by then I was old enough to see it. So I love it. So always kind of, uh, a doll family favorite. For sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had like three Schwarzenegger posters uh, on the wall of my room. And I Terminator wasn't one. T2 was one. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was he was a big, big guy in our house. Uh, he's a big guy in most houses. You're right. <laughs> didn't, yeah, he didn't get to where he was by not being popular, for sure. Yeah, or just big. <laughs> I think that was a big joke he was making. I it was it. A, it was a you need to add the uh the uh drum roll with the um the symbol 
for that joke graph. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I, I do. That was, um, da- that was a, a dad joke. <laughs> I I thought I thought it was pretty good, man. It was good. It was good. Uh, it was a dad joke. Thank you, Duke. I appreciate that. Flattery will get you very far in this world. Duke, <laughs> what, why don't you tell us a little bit about your first time watching Man, watching this here's, movie? Here's the problem growing up after that generation. If it like Terminator, great film, love it. But it mm-hmm. doesn't hold, you know, like Back to the Future is my, you know, movie that got me in a movie. So I kind of I have memories about when I watched that. Terminator, I don't really remember the first time I watched it, what have you, but I did check, I did rewatch it. And then I was curious when I w- last watched it because I'm watching it. And you know that what I love about uh, revisiting movies is when it's been enough time that you forget the minor details, you know what happens, but you forget, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I completely forgot like what Sarah Connor has a pet lizard gecko, whatever that is. Iguana. <laughs> iguana it's it's like like why is that in the movie like i completely forgot so i checked because i've been keeping track of all the movies i've watched for i guess a decade now and i haven't seen terminator Mm -hmm. since uh march 2015 so it's been a good eight years since i've seen uh the terminator which blew my mind and wow but oh man i i I know i can't i've seen uh t2 quite a bit since then but Mm -hmm. i know so just like rewatching it last night though i mean oh so great intro that intro music's great i mean we could just talk but yeah just uh i don't remember the first time but man each time revisiting it after you know an eight-year gap it's just like watching it the first for the first time again it's just oh amazing oh yeah and it's i mean like you said it's a movie that you get when you rewatch it you get caught up in those details um because they're all they're all just so great there's like there's like a certain like urgency to like every single moment frame decision that's made in the movie that feels so like alive and fresh. And I'm sure revisiting it after, you know, eight years, like, like you did Duke, I'm sure it just feels like so nice to, to like reconnect with those, with those moments. Doll, what was the last time uh, that you watched this before? I, I assume that you rewatched it for this recording. So what was the last time that you rewatched it be- before that prior to that? I did not watch it for the recording, but only because I've, <gasps> yeah, only because I've seen it so many times. Um, I I tend to watch it once a year, so yeah, I didn't pull it up in my letterbox to to see when when I saw it last. But it's been I think it's been some some time within the last six months that I watched it. It's just Dang. a yearly rewatch for me, man. Um, it's just that good. I call that is this one of your future. That's is this one of your favorite world. movies, Doll? Yeah, yeah, I think so, for sure. Like top five for you? Is this within your like essential like movies to watch if you like want to understand like Doll's experience as a film watcher, as a film lover? Yeah, probably so. Um, I always have a hard time picking between Terminator and Terminator Two, just because Terminator Two landed at a time that was just you know it was just perfect. I m- I must have been like. 13 or something when that came out no i was a little older than that anyway it was per it was yeah. perfect timing you know I, I could go to the cinema and enjoy it and get the like full effect of it and it was a big thing like we, a big anticipation so i always have trouble picking between them um mm-hmm. i think they probably they probably tickle different fancies for me they are they are pretty different but um 
I don't know, the older I get, the, the more I appreciate Terminator. Uh, I guess I'm like you. I, I guess I dropped the the. I appreciate it because <laughs> of what it does. My dog's trying to get in. Um, I appreciate what it does with so little. And I just, because I grind that axe all the time, you know, that's just, that's just my, my, my spiel, I guess. I, I, I would love to see more, more films do more with less. And Terminator mm. has to be one of the best examples of that, you know, six and a half million dollars and look at what they're able to co- to accomplish. And, and, you know, the focus is on the important stuff. Like you said earlier, I can't remember how you put it, but it was, it was, you put it really well, just there's kind of an economy of motion with this, with this movie, like everything counts and nothing's wasted. And uh, it, it, I think you said it feels urgent. Every scene feels urgent. And I totally agree with that. It's absolutely lovely. And obviously so much of that comes from Cameron's direction. So let's talk about him for a little bit, because this is really, this is his baby. This is his child. Like we don't have Terminator or the Terminator without James Cameron. So I was curious to know if either of you had any sort of background about how this movie kind of came to be, how Cameron dreamt it up, uh, what was like his inspiration for for this movie. If if either of you have anything on on just sort of the background of how this movie like came into existence, I feel like that would be a really interesting, you know, jumping off point for for the rest of our conversation. Doll, you can uh, correct me, but I feel I got two background bits. I feel like one was he didn't, he tried to get permission to shoot somewhere or do something. And then they wouldn't give him like he wanted to shoot on a street or something. And then they wouldn't give him permission. So he did like guerrilla style or something, or he just like did it anyway. I don't know if that's Terminator. I mean, the other, of course, big random fact for the Terminator is that they wanted OJ Simpson as uh, the T one Oh one or whatever it is. And, uh, but they couldn't see him as a killer apparently. So do that information as you will. (laughs) I mean, yeah. You know, a jury of his peers felt the same way. (laughs) Oh, yikes. Is that too soon? Uh, So yeah, that's uh, I don't know. Doll, you got to have some background. Yeah. I, so I wrote our Canon post for, for this particular movie. And I guess in the lead up to writing that, I, I dug out a book that I had bought a while, several years ago, and I just never read. It's kind of a coffee table book. One, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I get coffee table books, you know, I look at the pictures when I get them and I think, oh, that's cool. And then I put them away and I never, I just never think to read them. But this thing came in a case, like a, like a box case. It's called Terminator, the Terminator Vault, I think is what it was called. And I would dig it out, but um, we're having some work done in our house and there's a bunch of crap blocking the way. So great book. Uh, had a lot of really great background information on the film. And um, yeah, one. So there is a story in that book about how Cameron was working on Piranha. And I won't go into too much mm-hmm. detail about that particular experience, but basically they took the film away from him. They were pulling some shenanigans and he just wasn't standing for it. So he, he flew to Rome where the producer was and was basically going to demand to see the film. And, um, 
there's this funny story about him sneaking into the student or sneaking into the offices, like breaking in and re like recutting the film just to prove them wrong. But in the meantime, he got really sick and I can't remember what they, what, what it said he had, if it, it wasn't the flu, but anyway, he, he was really, really sick and he was staying in some, you know, I don't remember if it was a hostel, but it was kind of a dump and he didn't know anybody there. You know, he basically just spent his last dime to get over there just cause he was pissed off about this. And he was, he, he had a fever and he was sleeping in this room or whatever that he was renting. And he had, he had a fever dream. He woke up and he had this exoskeleton in, yeah, is that what they call it? Exoskeleton? Yeah, yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. He had that image in his mind. So uh, he got out of bed and he says, he, he's like, I thought I was dying. And so he, he gets out of bed, you know, and sketches this, this Terminator. And he comes back. He had to borrow money from his dad to come back to the States because he was just, I mean, he was completely out of money. So, yeah, so he comes back and um, starts to write the thing. And he had a writing partner. I can't remember who the, I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head. But, yeah, they, they, they had, they did a lot of stuff, just crazy stuff to try to get this movie made. Um, at one point, he wanted Lance Henriksen to play the Terminator. And so they were trying to get funding from, forget the name of the production company, but Cameron had a meeting with these guys. And so he goes in and sits down in their lobby. And Lance Henriksen comes in. I think I think I think Cameron was there first. Either way, Lance Lance Henriksen comes in dressed as the Terminator, and he takes he takes like the little foil wrapper that comes in cigarettes, cigarette packages, and he puts it over his teeth. Like I guess wraps it over his teeth so his teeth look like metal. And then he goes up to the secretary and <laughs> says in like a loud voice. Where is so and so, this guy that they're there to meet? And um, apparently, the the people were like very close to calling the calling the cops. And I guess the guy came out and, and called him back. But they made a they made an impression on him with this with this gag, and it 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 got his attention. I think and ended up securing some funding for the film. So I just always thought that was a pretty. I mean, like Cameron is just ballsy, you know? Oh yeah, that's just a ballsy oh, yeah. move. I mean. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, wild. He, and the, and I guess I guess the thing that's important to note is that Henriksen played this thing straight. Like he came in and acted threatening and and I guess weird and was playing it like he was the robot, you know, the Terminator. So I, I just think that's pretty funny, man. Yeah, I love that. I feel like that background is isn't is insane. I I had I'd kind of heard the or partially heard the fever dream story, but I couldn't totally remember it. So this is like a really weird callback to something I said earlier in the episode. But when I was in San Diego, I went to the Comic-Con museum and there was like an interactive portion where there was a quiz about like robots and artificial intelligence in movies. And one of the questions was how did James Cameron like, or like what was the inception of, the Terminator or the idea for the story behind the Terminator. So I'd like half heard that like a week ago, mm. <laughs> which is super random that I just like stumbled upon that. But thank you for sharing the full and actual story. I feel like all of that background is like, again, super, super, super helpful because this was what his really his second movie. 
Yeah, technically, or, I, I guess. Um, yeah. I don't know how like, they. I don't know how they credited Piranha. Um, there was, I, I there was something to do with like the the guy who was funding Piranha. He was getting these movies made, and I guess he was getting some help from studios in the states. And they had this stipulation that he had to hire American directors, but there was some like workaround where he basically would hire them, and then he would say they weren't doing a good job, and he'd fire them. And um, that way he could basically he could direct the movie himself is what he was doing. So I don't know if it counts as his first film. So this is like essentially his first film. This is definitely his breakout movie, which is absolutely wild for this to be the movie that, you know, announces you as the new fresh, you know, director in Hollywood. Like this is a big announcement and doll, like you said, this is a ballsy ass movie. There's a lot about this movie that, you know, really, if you take a moment to to take a step back and think about it for a second, really shouldn't work, but all of it does, which is just a testament to how great of a filmmaker James Cameron is. And the conversation could be had about where he sits, where he stands in, you know, the pantheon of, of, uh, of directors all time, or, you know, uh, modern directors, directors post, uh, eighties or, or whatever, but you you watch something like Terminator, you're like, yeah, the guy's got the goods. For sure. Yeah, for sure. It, and you're right, it shouldn't work. I, I remember watching a lot of movies in the 80s as a kid, and after after Star Wars, particularly after, I guess, Return of the Jedi, the, the effects were just really good in that movie. I just remember seeing some of these sci-fi films and thinking, man, you know, if these guys can do this, why can't these movies have good effects? You know, I didn't understand how, you know, finances mm-hmm. and stuff work, but you know, for Cameron to make this movie on the budget that he did, it should just, it, it should look and feel like one of these cheap, campy sci-fi movies that I'm talking about, but it, it doesn't, it transcends that somehow. Uh, not, not just because the effects are good and the, and the effects are a little cheesy in places. It's not like it's a perfect, uh, perfect effects movie, but, um, yeah, it, it shouldn't work as well as it does. It, it, it especially for the budget, it's just, crazy yeah i was thinking the effects are i I was gonna ask you guys what you thought about the effects as a whole so duke do you have anything anything else on just like how these effects sort of i hate to ask the question of how they stand up but like you know (laughs) for a modern audience (laughs) modern audience or or something like that but just like what do you make of of all of the effects i i'm just gonna throw in before you go duke that I feel like the Schwarzenegger puppet is incredible and it always freaks me out, but I just like love it so much. I think it's oh, great. I love well, when that's... it cuts cuts to him putting the sunglasses on, but but Duke, please please go ahead. That, that I was just about to absolutely eviscerate that uh Schwarzenegger puppet as you call it. <laughs> that's the one part that always is like, "Oh, this is that looks so fake." That's the Schwarzenegger face mechanic is what I animatronic is what I think is probably the worst part of that movie in terms of, I don't know, suspension of belief, disbelief. I think the stop motion, like the exoskeleton at the end when it's kind of walking stop motion, all like, I actually think that almost works in that it's favor kind of gives it this kind of robotic movement. The stop motion's great mm-hmm. throughout at the beginning, you know, when they're blowing up tanks. I mean, I watched this after, like, I watched all the Terminator sequels earlier this year that I hadn't seen yet. And this is by far the dirtiest movie 
like this actually feels like it's set after you know robots took over the world you know or the sequels terminator salvation that it's not really it looks a lot cleaner less kind of junky this gave me mad max vibes in the sense that you know it's they're in these vehicles and they're all anyway uh schwarzenegger yeah. puppet though um yeah like it's fine like when it I don't know. You can just tell it's kind of fake, but that's, I think that's just makeup in the, like the eighties makeup too. Sometimes, you know, you can tell that they have makeup on where nowadays they do a much better job kind of disguising it. But yeah, the, uh, you know, the eye when he takes his eye off and then, you know, he's got the, uh, robotic red eye. That's always cool. And the, the glasses are, yeah, as you said, it's a great scene yeah. though later, you know, when he rams that car through the police station or before that, when he says, I'll be back. If you look, you can see his normal eye underneath the through the sunglass oh way to ruin it for us duke <laughs> no yeah sorry thanks i'll duke. never I'll, I'll never see it the same again great i was just I, I was i was wondering i was like i wonder if that's like you know out in these films kind of all get cleaned up every time they get to a new uh resolution hd 4k if uh maybe way back when in the 80s that wasn't as noticeable i don't know yeah sure. i don't know it i mean for me it doesn't take me out of the movie it doesn't take me out. I, I, I think I was just, you know, because I was paying, I was writing down notes, I think. So I was kind of paying more yeah. attention to certain things. And then I was like, oh, is that, you can see, you, can, yeah. you know, you got to be you, looking. You got to be looking to see if he's actually got that robotic eye through there. Or else you uh, you were watching through like the like hypercritical lens that goes past like, is this a good movie? But just like, let me pick out every minor detail Nipping, that yeah. might be. Yeah. But no, I was going to say for the, for the puppet and then. Doll, I want to ask you how you feel about it. I feel like, yes, it, it does look pretty fake. And it's like a little funny when it cuts back to Schwarzenegger, um, his actual face with the sunglasses on. But I feel like when I whenever I see that scene, just thinking of like, this is always like my, my big thing when I'm watching movies of you, you watch a particular moment or you experience something in a, in a movie and you think, wow, like someone thought of that. Someone was creative enough to to build that and put it together and put it to screen and make it move around in in a way that fits within the story that they're that they're trying to tell. So I'm always kind of amazed that, you know, just movies can do that. And like people, there are people who sat around and like thought up that thing. They thought to include that in the movie and they like built that Schwarzenegger puppet. Like I, to me that that's awesome, you know, no matter how much it maybe looks a little bit fake when it then cuts back to him. Uh, just the fact that someone did it is freaking amazing. So with that doll, what what are your thoughts on, uh, additional thoughts on the VFX as a whole and, and everything that, that Duke is, uh, is nitpicking and tearing apart <laughs> about, about your favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite movie. No, I, I, I see, I see Duke's point. I think it's uh, the interesting thing to me, actually, when I was just listening to you talk about it, I thought, you know, they took the risk of spending money. Like they spent some of their budget on this thing when, you know, it had to have been a risk. Like, what if we mm-hmm. make this thing and it doesn't look good? Then we're going to have to, we're going to have to cut around that or we're going to have to cut away um, and not show it, mm-hmm. which is, which was totally an option. I mean, come on, like there's, there's a lot of movies where you don't see. I was watching a Carpenter movie the other day, and I can't remember what the specific example was, but they just 
you know, they, they obviously didn't have the budget to do whatever it was going to be that was shown on screen. So they just, they just cut away or use some, you know, camera, camera trickery to, to not show what it is that you would, you would see that would give it away. So I don't know. I just mm-hmm. think it like that, that took guts. Like he, you know, they had to have believed in this shot to spend the money on it, to make this thing. And I think I don't notice it that much just because I've seen the movie so many times, but um, I'm just playing the scene in my head. And yeah, I, I get where Duke's coming from. I mean, it, it comes, it could come off as a little, a little hokey, especially when you're comparing it, like in, like he said, in the very next scene to Schwarzenegger's actual face. The last couple of times I've seen the movie, I, I noticed that the exoskeleton looks a little wonky when it's walking. You know, and I mean, mm-hmm. what are those? Those effects are basically the same thing that they did with Jason and the Argonites, right? Like the 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 skeletons with the swords. Isn't that isn't that more or less the same thing? It's just like that's a, what I was praising. I think that, that actually adds to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm glad. You know, I'm glad they did it the way they did it. Otherwise, what would we have gotten? We probably would have just have seen the thing from the from the waist up or something. But that exoskeleton is just. Mm. Like, yeah, I think the design on all like, of that yeah. is is amazing. Even the design of, you know, the Schwarzenegger's red eye. Also, just the fact that they use that to like put him in cool sunglasses at night is is awesome. Like that's a great like I, little I, narrative and also vibe choice for the movie. Mm-hmm. I forgot that he had like the, you know, I you know you always picture Schwarzenegger's Terminator with the leather jacket, and I forgot at the beginning of the movie that he doesn't have the leather jacket yet. He just it's whatever that's street urchin or not urchin, uh, yeah, the punk guy. Bill Paxton's character and all his mm-hmm. buddies are wearing. So he's got like this what blue jean denim jacket almost, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's he what it doesn't looks look like as punk good jacket. yet till he gets the leather, and then he has the sunglasses. He slowly evolves. See, I like that look so at cool. the beginning. It's a little, it's a little rough around the edges, and uh, there's something about that. So I feel like this is a good opportunity for us to sort of transition into another question that I wanted to ask you guys, which is, of course, the Schwarzenegger of it all. I personally feel like this is a perfect use of him in this movie, but I was just intrigued to hear how you guys think about him in this role you know, and, and just sort of how, how it all fits. So Duke, we'll, we'll throw it to you first for this one. You know, it's interesting watching this after eight years is that he's, there's something different about his f- first portrayal in the original Terminator. There's, he's not like, he's got a down pat for like T2 and how kind of like this T, the T800 T, whatever it is, works where this one, you know, he's kind of makes all these, like he, he has the gun and then he'll do like, He'll jerk around the corners and stuff, and he's a lot more flexible in this one than I think he is in later ones. Like, like I'm just watching, I'm just like, you know, this isn't, there's something different. I don't know if you guys ever picked that up, but I feel like just watching that, you can tell, like, you know, he he, he evolves with the characters, we're saying, but, like, there's something mm-hmm. at the beginning where it's not as, like, robot, you know, robotic. There's nothing, you know where he, he there's some i don't know flexibility fluidness to his performance that i feel he uh he decides to drop in the later uh, sequels interesting i don't know if yeah. i ever picked up on that but doll what do what are your thoughts on arnie and and how he's used in this flick in particular i think in t2 it's just more polished and then i i really feel like in t3 
Terminator Three. I, I feel like it's almost a parody of of Terminator Two. I, I really do. I mean, I don't I don't know how else to say it. I I just think I think the bad direction shows itself in that movie. T two, I, I definitely see what Duke is talking about. I've noticed that. I I think it's just a I think it's an artifact of Terminator being very raw and um, rough around the edges at mm-hmm. the time, and it's a completely new thing for both of them. Schwarzenegger's feeling the character out and you know trying to trying to figure out how he's going to play it, and I and I just think it's just the whole thing is just a little rougher around the edges, and that's another thing I I think I just appreciate more and more every time I watch that movie. Terminator Two is amazing, great action scenes. It's front to back. It is just so good, but it's just a different animal than Terminator. I, I it's, it's kind of like, I guess the difference between like punk and hair metal, you know, one is like sleek and smooth. That's probably not the best, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like one is sleek and smooth and polished and, 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 and overproduced and the other's a little more rough around the edges and, you know, you're just not you're not sure exactly what you're going to get. Terminator's a little unpredictable. You're not really sure what's coming around the corner. I, I just really yeah, love I forgot that which one it. of you guys said this, but th- this movie is a little dirtier, and they are two totally different movies. And listener, in case you're curious, <laughs> curious, I don't know if we mentioned this before, but T2 is also in the canon, so there will be a full episode where we will chat about that at length. Terminator Terminator's more street. Terminator 2 is, and I think that also is kind of reflective of how the world was changing at the time. You had a lot of urban decay in 83, whenever they were shooting this or whenever. Um, And Mm. some of that stuff was starting to work itself out by the 90s. For sure. Bringing it back into uh, this Terminator, it will be hard to not reference Terminator 2 so much because these two movies like really are, you know, they're, they're doing a lot with each other and they're bouncing off of each other. But just to stick to to this first Terminator, I personally think that like the the use of of, of uh, Schwarzenegger and giving him so few lines because his English wasn't great, it just like adds to the whole mystique and terror of the character. And I feel like that really works for this particular movie because yes, it is a sci-fi time travel movie, but it's also just like a straight up slasher flick. I don't know if you guys have ever had that that same sort of reading doll do you read this more as a sci-fi movie can we consider this something that is kind of horror adjacent uh you know with the terminator character just being like a a michael myers or a a freddy or a, a jason you know where do you stand on that yeah i think it's both um i've always thought of it as a sci-fi movie but i do think it's both and i think people arguing that this is sort of a sci-fi version of halloween you know, just, a, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it, I think that that's apt. I just, and, and I, and I mean, I don't think there's any, any reason why you can't call it a horror movie. Um, slasher. I don't know. I'm, you know, that's sailor's territory. That's, that's, a uh, that's not my area of expertise, but, <laughs> um, but it's definitely got horror elements and I think it's built on the, on the basic structure of that. It wouldn't surprise me. I don't. I don't recall ever reading this anywhere. But it wouldn't surprise me if if Cameron wasn't somewhat inspired by Halloween. Because I mean, it felt. It, it really it follows a lot of the same formula it, down to the the budget. You know, the low budget. Mm-hmm. Duke, where do you 
Where do you fall on that? Well, I did count my rewatch as one of my uh, October Halloween uh, watch list. It's on my letterbox list. So uh, I count this as a horror film. I like the slasher angle. You know, I've I've been watching a couple of uh, movies I own that I haven't watched before on my uh, back catalog. And if if those films I've just been watching count as slashers, Terminator definitely does because there's this is a lot more brutal. You know, he does, you know, there's a lot of killing. He's targeting Sarah Connors. There's mention that, you know, serial killer, mm-hmm. phone book killer, I think is the name they use. Uh, definitely, this is a much better film than what I've been watching that are so-called slashers. So while I don't think I'd ever call this a slasher, it definitely does have the structure to it. It's just more heavy sci-fi. Like, it's, this is sci-fi horror where the sequels go sci-fi action. Yeah. Like, yeah. I would never call I, like, I would really consider horror. this an action movie. No, this is yeah. sci-fi horror yeah. for sure. Who, who, wins, who wins in a versus match? The T-100 or um, Jason? Jason. Oh, boy. That's... Well, I, I would watch that still, movie. Jason's still human, at least, where Michael... Not Michael. <laughs> now we're adding uh, Michael Myers. <laughs> Freddy versus Jason versus uh, the T one hundred. Well, you know what I'm you know what I'm thinking of now is is how Terminator becomes the hero, and now I can't stop thinking like what happened if like in Halloween two, Michael Myers just all of a sudden became the good guy, and then he's fighting like <laughs> yeah, he's fighting like an even darker shape. That's that's what's in my head now. But uh, again, Terminator is an android where all these you know all, Michael, uh, Freddy. Well, Freddy's kind of supernatural, but Jason, they're all human ish. You know, so I yeah. feel like Terminator leaning, has the edge, leaning a little supernatural, and and um, also Terminator probably doesn't dream, so Freddy can't really. So he's, I think, <laughs> I think Terminators, Terminators. I'm sure, I'm sure there are ways to get around that that plot hole. Oh, I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm already, Freddy I'm already, Jason wasn't. I'm already Dog, writing. Dogger's typing away on the fan I'm fiction. The he's like, yeah, I'm writing the script in my head where Freddy uh, somehow becomes like a hacker or something. You know. Oh, that he's actually gonna uh, hack, well, he's going to hack the Terminator all right, doll, mainframe. Doll, doll. Yes, sir. Don't give away the goods. We need to keep this idea to ourselves, and we'll sell it to Hollywood in a couple months. The strike is over. We're gonna pitch we can this. get back to work. We can pitch the script. Let's let's not give away too many of the good ideas. Okay, we'll cut Man, this out. We got to cut. Freddie hacking right. is actually not a bad idea. Kids today Duke. go use virtual reality, so they never sleep. Duke, we're giving away too much. Man, that's actually not that's a bad it. idea. There's a reboot. Hey, guys, we got to cut it. We got to cut it. We can't say too much. Hollywood's too late. Hollywood's already greenlit it. It's on deadline. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about this, though, as I've as I've been making my way through the Friday, the 13th movies, um, I was thinking about this and I was, you know, it occurred to me, man, the, the, the Terminator's just this tough character. You know, you can't kill it. She's got to squish him in a hydraulic press to get rid of the dang thing. And great scene. You just you just like. In my mind, I think, you know, there's no comparison to Michael Myers or Freddie or Jason, but this thing dies in one movie. I mean, Jason, how many movies did he make it through? Ten? Something like that? Twelve. I think I think Jason's got to win in a, in a, in a heads-up match, man. I think, I think Jason takes it. Jason, the last thing I'll say on this is Jason has never faced an opponent like Sarah Connor. So That's there's true. that. That's true. 
Tommy Jarvis ain't got nothing on Sarah Connor. Nothing. Bringing it back to the Terminator, as much as I would love to continue chatting about who would win in a hypothetical slasher fight. The so we, we sort of just mentioned, you know, this movie, while it, it does have some elements of horror to it, it is like at its core, at its base, it's a it's a sci-fi movie. Beyond that, it's a time travel movie. And Duke, I think we spoke about this when you were on for a Back to the Future episode, but sort of Back to the Future and The Terminator are really like two of our early versions of of time travel in cinema. It's kind of weird that it's that it's something that wasn't really thought about until a whole lot at least until the 80s. So one what do you guys think of the time travel science in this movie? I'm sure that there's a lot to be nitpicked, but just a quick, you know, what do you think about it? Duke. Well, I want to throw in a factual correction. Technically, there was the time machine. H.G. Wells' uh, adaptation of the time machine novel was from 1960. But in terms of actually doing something watchable, no offense mm-hmm. to a uh, the film adaptation, uh, Back to the Future and uh, Terminator have it. Uh, yeah, I've, uh, I was, uh, me and another Saw writer, Jacob Holmes, uh, we did the 50 greatest time travel movies a couple years ago. Back to the Future was one. Terminator was two. I think we gave Back to the Future the edge just because I'm biased, but also Back to the Future does more with the concept of time travel where Terminator uses time travel as a means to kind of kickstart its story. Terminator is, of course, a classic time loop story in that John Connor sends Kyle Reese back in time to save his mother, but Kyle Reese is also his father. So, of course, you go, well, there, eventually there's one timeline where, I don't know, this doesn't really work because Sarah Connor, who is John Connor's father in the original timeline that then John Connor sends Kyle Reese back in time and then Kyle Reese becomes his father, you know? <laughs> Similar to how Marty McFly goes back in time, breaks up his parents, gets them back together. But when he comes back, the timeline has changed. Well, where the original Marty, there's a theory that the original Marty from that timeline then disappears. You know, so it's, you know, what happens. There's something because Kyle Reese is the father of John Connor. There is an original timeline where, you know, how does John Connor exist before Kyle Reese goes back, you know? He doesn't. It's a. It's a mindfuck. It's, it's a, a time kind of loop. T- it's a time loop. You it's can't time do loop. it. It's you just got to go with it. Yeah. Well. All right, Duke. I have, I have one quick comment on that, but I'll I'll save it for for after Dahl gives us his thoughts on just the the time travel science of of all of this. Oh, I love the science though. The the you got to be you know no clothes matter, and then you just kind of come down in a cool. Yeah. Ball. If I were going to time travel, cool. it would. It would be in the nude. That's the only and way to time I will travel, point right? out, I did like how, of course, the T-100, I'm going to call it, I think that's what this version's called. You know, he's, because he's just, what, metal. You know, he has the cool, like, kind of superhero landing where Kyle Reese just kind of just absolutely smokes the pavement. And you can tell, like, he is just hurting from that, from time oh, traveling, where it affected the T-100. Absolutely. Not at all. It's such a minor detail, but it tells us so much about those two characters so early on. It's so good. It's so good. But yeah, Dahl, tell us your what are your thoughts about the the time travel science of? Yeah, I I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about the science. 
<laughs> I don't give a shit. Uh, you know, because my thing is, is you can, you can pick things apart. I mean, come on, we're talking about a bodybuilder robot that comes back in time to kill people. I don't really need to think this deeply about it. I, I don't really care whether the science makes sense or not, um, because Cameron tells a uh, a great story with characters that we can we can relate to. Um, he manages to work in a love story. It's mm-hmm. paced really well. It's shot really well. It's visually very interesting. And I think when you do all of those things really well, it's acted really well. When you do all those things really well. It, it, little details like that don't matter. Um, we're willing to go along for the yeah. ride because uh, otherwise, otherwise genre fiction wouldn't, wouldn't exist. You know, one thing I thought of kind of later in life is Kyle Reese describes the Terminators as infiltrator units. So they sneak into these human bases and wipe them out. How does it make any sense for a guy that big and muscular to be an infiltrator unit. You would want it to be, that's why he wanted to cast Lance, Lance Hendrickson in the role because mm-hmm. he was more non-assuming, but, but I don't care. Schwarzenegger is cool. He's visually <laughs> very interesting looking. It doesn't matter. And, and frankly, that short scene we see where, where Kyle Reese is remembering or whatever he's doing. And you see the other Terminator. He's interesting looking too. He's scary. Um, it works. It doesn't need to make sense. These are movies. It's, it's a visual language. So, you know, all the other science crap, whatever. I don't care. Doll, that's the, you're, you're approaching it from, from the right perspective. And I think a lot of us can learn from what you're saying. And I, I'm like, I'm not being, uh, sarcastic or, or patronizing or anything. I like genuinely think that there's a lot that the rest of us can learn from like watching movies based on what you're saying, you know? The, the science, it introduces itself, it uh, sets up a really cool story, it allows for cool moments, it allows for, like I was saying before, it allows for that moment of, you know, a really quick thing that tells us a lot about two different characters, and it uses the time travel to do that. You know, if if that's what your time travel is being used for, for like actual cinematic purposes, then that's cool. And we don't need to get into the nitty gritty of the science of it all. So, Dahl, right we, we do thank you for uh, forget for you know providing us with with that reading, Duke. The thing that I was going to mention, uh, based on what you were saying and the whole time loop of it all, which is also kind of tying in what Dahl is saying in terms of the time travel just being there for, you know, just being there to, to you know for the for the movie's benefit is it's really a movie about like fate and faith and. You know, Sarah Connor was always fated to meet Kyle Reese and birth John Connor and lead the revolution. Like, it doesn't matter, like, what she thinks about how insignificant she is or doubting herself about whether or not that she can make all this happen. John Connor sending Kyle Reese back, it was always fated to happen. And it's like a kind of like a, it's a, not kind of, it's super hopeful, uh, happy movie in that sense where, you know, the, this, this greatness was, was always going to, to occur. And that's something that I haven't really picked up on in, in past viewings, but it did really, you know, speak to me this, uh, this last time that I was watching that, uh, Duke, I don't know if you've, if you've picked up on, on anything sort of similar or had similar feelings about 
that aspect of the story. Mm, not the way you just <laughs> said it, but um, you know, I, I did like kind of um, like I said, I watched all the sequels uh, earlier this year, you know, kind of seeing Sarah Connor, you know, like you were saying before she, she's fated to become this warrior, the mother of John Connor. You're seeing her at that period before where she doesn't believe that she's this great person or this icon. And it's cool to kind of contrast, uh, you know, Linda Hamilton's performance in this movie with the ones from her in T2 and Dark Fate, where she is playing, you know, a badass, where she is capable and she does believe in herself. So, uh, and no, it's just cool to kind of see, you know, I guess, see her become the thing she thought she couldn't be in. But um, yeah, I know what you're saying earlier. And Dogger and I do, I, again, like time travel doesn't exist. So, you know. I don't think we should ever pick apart time, you know, a movie's decision on how it? it portrays it. Oh, oh shit! Oh man, mind fuck right there! Oh. Holy smokes! Oh my god! Have you guys ever heard what? of? Have you guys ever heard of John Titer or John Teeter? I don't know how you pronounce it. I, I have T I T O R. Go no. Google that later. So the other interesting science fiction aspect of this movie, aside from the time travel, is the sort of AI war man versus machine sort of aspect of it so when i was re-watching it today one of the most terrifying uh ideas is that the future that they're fighting the robots in is only about six years from the future that we are currently living in today so that's pretty scary um and there's a bunch of scary stuff happening in the news every single day with uh advancements in artificial intelligence and and what it's able to do it's almost like none of those people have seen Terminator or, you know, any other movie that is about what will happen when AI is able to to wipe us all out. But I think the most interesting thing about this movie and what Cameron is doing is that the artificial intelligence or the machines that wipe out the human race or are attempting to wipe out the human race, what's scary about them isn't that they outsmart us, they just outgun us. They just outpower us, which is, to me, I think a bit more terrifying. Dahl, what do you make of machines just absolutely eviscerating us, not with uh, higher intelligence, but just bigger guns? Yeah, I don't. I don't know that I. I don't know that I really have a whole lot to say about it. Um, <laughs> I think that if you start to think too much about this kind of thing, start things start to break down. You know, with the with the the uh, believability. Hmm. You know, I'm just picturing these exoskeletons walking across a field of skulls and they've got they've got guns that they're holding on to. Why aren't there, you know, why isn't his arm just a gun or why are they you know, I, I don't know. I just feel like it just starts to break down. Yeah. Um I heard a sure. uh, I heard a a TED talk a few years back and it might have already been a couple of years old at that point, but the guy talking said something that I thought was a little more terrifying than, than what movies like Terminator actually give us. And that is that AI will, they won't even, AI won't even really consider us that we will be like ants to them. So imagine hmm. how we treat ants. You know, we don't really think about them. If we step on one, we don't know it if they're in our yard and they're, they're a nuisance, we just, we just swipe them out. <laughs> I think that's, yeah. that's just even more terrifying because there's no consideration given at all. It's just, you know, that almost puts me at ease because if, if AI, you know, if, 
if you know how the movies do it, if we're supposed to believe that AI becomes this all powerful, something we should fear. But now the way you're saying it, doll, like at that point, AI wouldn't even like, why would AI want to stay on earth? If AI gets the point where it's, you know, so smart, it's developing, it's all this technology is getting advanced. Why wouldn't it just leave? You know, we talk about wanting to go to Mars. Well, AI should, AI would probably just leave. They'd build a spaceship and they'd leave, explore the galaxy. I don't know why or anything. I don't yeah. know why they would see us as a threat. And I think I, th- there's, um, I probably mentioned this in every damn podcast we do, but William Gibson has written about this stuff. Um, I think in Neuromancer, there's an AI that is actually, I think it's kept in outer space. It's kept in a, a space station. Um, and then it links up with another AI on planet earth. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what he's envisioning. Yeah. What, is probably a little more, a little more likely. I, I don't see why they would even. What I was. Threat. I wasn't necessarily trying to get us to the, you know, believability aspect or anything more. So just as a cinematic tool, I feel like most stories that we read or watch that are about AI, it's about how they outsmart us. And, you know, that's where the problems rise from. Whereas I think this one, it's terrifying because it's just outgunning us. And, you know, doll, like you said, the image of, of this robot holding a machine gun, you know, stepping on the skulls of dead human beings is just like a terrifying image. And I feel like that, again, it's just another thing that adds to the, uh, the intent of this movie. Like this movie is, it's pretty scary. It's pretty grimy. It's grungy. And part of what makes it so scary is, is, you know, images like that and ideas like that. Yeah. Well, what's, I mean, what's more horrifying than dying in, you know, a nuclear blast just being instantly incinerated. Uh, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty horrifying. Pretty scary stuff. Or Arnold Schwarzenegger running up on on your house and, uh, you know, blasting you away. Yeah, Uh, totally. Fuck you, asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Also pretty terrifying. So Sarah Connor is pretty cool. Do you guys have anything on, on Linda Hamilton and, um, and her performance or any of the other performances really in this movie. I know we talked about Schwarzenegger a little bit, but I um, was just curious about your thoughts about, uh, about everything else or everyone else rather. I don't know. I, I, I kind of, I kind of talked about Linda Hamilton's performance a bit earlier, contrasting with her other films. I don't know. As for the character of Sarah Connor, I think the one thing that I kind of thought was really uh sailor likes to call uh, sailor likes to say this, you know, where, and the thing that kind of takes him out of a movie is when like a kid or a character does something really stupid that you wouldn't do in real life. And I feel like Linda Hamilton telling her mom that she like, you know, she's in the hotel room and giving her that phone number is something that I feel like in real life, you probably still wouldn't do knowing that, you know, the Terminator can do all this stuff. And then she just gives away the location just like that. I don't know. That's something that I'm always like, mm, really Sarah Connor. I don't know. Damn Duke. But then we got that really cool thing where we find out that the Terminator can manipulate voices. So I don't, maybe that was just a story decision to show that, but. So you would have been, you would have been in the hotel room. You would have called your mom terrified for your life because there is this crazy cyborg thing chasing you. And when you called your mom and you're talking to her and she's like, Hey, where are you? Are you safe? You would have been like, wait, this might be the Terminator. Well, 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 she says she's safe, but then like the, the mom is pressing her hard for like, give me your phone number, 
How am I going to contact you? Like Sarah Connor, you're not staying in that hotel room for the rest of your life. You're moving on again. And then even at the end of that conversation, when like the Terminator says like, bye honey, or she says something. And then Sarah Connor kind of pauses almost like she's never heard her mom say that word to her before that term of endearment. And then she kind of hangs up and she's like, Hmm, you can see it on her face where she's like, Hmm, that didn't feel right. And it's just, I don't know. I just feel like it's, yeah, I'm going to say it. On there. Have done I think that. you're nitpicking a little bit too much. I'm nitpicking, but hey, I mean, hey, you can't. I like Sarah Connor. I like the performance. That's all I gotta say is that one thing in that movie was like, mm, I don't know. If Kyle Reese was in the room with her, he would have been like hanging up the phone. Doll, what do you think about Sarah Connor? Um, I love, I love how Linda Hamilton <clears throat> goes from being this just really innocent, naive character at the beginning. <clears throat> He's just you know enjoying her life. She rides her little mm-hmm. moped to work. Or whatever little scooter and then she has this whole thing just like unloaded on her you know this scrappy wiry dude shows up and is like well here's the thing and then you just see her change throughout the movie and i and i i mean you know there's a lot of there's there's been a lot of things said about her being this you know badass character this heroine blah 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 she's a badass female character whatever but I've never really heard anybody talk that much about her performance. And so <clears throat> I just think we don't, I think there's one thing that's lacking in movies nowadays. We don't really get really good arcs. And I think that is just a solid arc going from this completely naive character to this character at the end who is taken on, who has taken on the responsibility of this and is, visibly changed at the end like that scene at the end where the mountains are in the background and the storms coming over the coming over the mountains she's in the jeep that's one of my mm-hmm. favorite scenes in the movie yeah. and i just think it's like man if you book in that like looking at her at the beginning with the one at the end you can you can completely see where she's where she's going it's not i mean that's also the beauty of the sequel is it's 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 not a surprise when we find her the way she is this this woman is taking on the responsibility she's determined and she's going to make it happen. And I just think it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful art character art. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's incredible. It, she's, she's a hero of, of destiny, right? Like she was always destined to be a hero. And then at the end you see her totally transformed into what she was always going to become. And it's amazing to see it, you know, even if it is, even if it is just at the end of the movie, um, it's amazing to to watch her go through through that whole progression uh, throughout the entire course of it. Abs- absolutely. One of my favorite side characters is the police chief. He's just such a funny, goofy guy. Random aside, but we like that guy. Before we get into our recommendations and maybe just some final words uh, about the Terminator itself, you know, we we've talked a little bit about you know T two. We've talked about some of the other sequels. But I just wanted to give both of you guys a, a couple of couple of minutes to quickly run through your thoughts on sort of the rest of the franchise, just because it is one of the biggest franchises in you know modern, and by modern I mean like post seventies cinema. It is you know one of the biggest franchises, one of the biggest names, one of the most recognizable franchises. So, Duke, I know that you had some 
some takes and some thoughts about <laughs> some of the other Terminator movies that you wanted to share with us. So we'll oh. kick it over to you first. Okay, great. For that. I think Term- Terminator is interesting in the fact that I think there's there's only two great films in that franchise. The first and the second. All the sequels have varying degrees of uh, watchability. I will say Dark Fate, I think, could have actually been a great trilogy capper because this is like the Halloween franchise to bring it back to horror where they like to ignore almost every other sequel now. Uh, Dark Fate has a great... I like the opening. There's a lot of people who don't like the opening. That's like a little flashback to the post-T2 timeline. I think that Dark Fate in general would have been more well-received had it actually felt like the end of something and not the beginning of a new trilogy where they introduced a new Sarah Connor character and a new Terminator character. Three's not bad. I did like Terminator Salvation, you know, actually seeing the uh, the war, kind of that area. I know, Dahlgren, you always talk about wanting to uh, see a Terminator film actually set during the uh, post-Judgment Day timeline. And I don't know, like Terminator's just a bunch. After two, it's a bunch of sequels that set up new ideas for sequels that in the end they decided to ignore and try something else. And Genesis isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. People gave it a lot of, I don't know, ire, but it's, uh, you know, all the sequels, all the sequels have something to enjoy. You just kind of got to go in knowing that they're nothing's stopping T one and T two. Well said. Well said. And I'd love to watch the TV series, but, uh, it's not on. They need a new. They need to be streaming where I'm watching because I, I hear the TV series is actually probably the best thing after the Cameron films. That's what I've heard. Oh, what's the name of the the T? What's the name of the TV uh, series again? Terminator Sarah Sarah Connor Chronicles. The Connor yes. The Connor Crolls. Sarah Connor Crolls. I think that got canceled. That was kind of in the issue with the writer strike. I think the writer strike kind of screwed up its second season, and then it, then it lost like a bunch of uh, viewership between the uh, the wait, and so that's why yeah. uh, it kind of got canceled. So we, that honestly, that probably could have lasted like a couple more seasons, but we'll never know. But I hear it's really great. If it was on, if it got a new like DVD collection, I'd be buying it because I, I do want to check it out. And it's just not streaming anywhere at least in my area so come on hollywood physical media matters come on physical media matters all media matters uh (laughs) yeah i second that or third that doll what are your thoughts on on the rest of the terminator franchise just garbage um i can i can (laughs) i can do without all of it terminator through is terminator 3 is just just awful. I, I rewatched it a few months back, and I couldn't. I couldn't believe how bad it was. I hadn't seen it in a long time. I don't think I disliked it that much when I saw it in the theater, but I was much younger and probably just entertained and happy to be entertained. You know, see Schwarzenegger hamming it up again. But yeah, I just think it's. I think they're just. It's. It's. I feel like they're doing a parody. So yeah, I don't like that one. Uh, I thought Genesis was horrible. Salvation's not bad. The thing I don't like about Salvation is that we all wanted to see that future with Cameron's aesthetic. We wanted to see that blue tinted, you know, purple mm-hmm. laser blaster guns, you know, that aesthetic was just really interesting looking. And I think they, I don't know what they were doing. It looked more like um, the Matrix or something to me, the 
the you know the effect they were going for and it's not a terrible movie i just don't really see it as a as a terminator movie all that much i just don't think of it as a um part of the canon so i just pretty much count one and two i never saw dark fate i just heard so many bad things about it i just like i'm gonna save myself this misery i went to see genesis at the theater and what the hell was i thinking (laughs) did you walk out stupid no no no, I think the only movie I ever walked out of was that uh, Demon Barber of Fleet Street or whatever. That's <sighs> Don't know how. But... Oh, um, Sweetie Todd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, my wife and I, we went to that movie and we didn't know it was a musical and we both hate musicals. And we're like, screw this. We're out. That's hilarious. Peace out. No, nah, I didn't hilarious. walk out of it. It was just, it was bad though. God, it was stupid. The problem with the, with the, problem with the Terminator franchise, okay, is the same problem with the Halloween franchise and the Freddy franchise and the Jason Friday the 13th franchise. They just want to recreate the wheel every time. They, and it's, it's just diminishing returns. They're like, how long can we milk this before the money runs out? You've got to do something different with these movies. Terminator 3 should have been something completely different. It's a, it's a really rich world that you can play in. If you want to go into the future and mess around with that, you can. Um, there's different things that you could do at this point. If I were going to reboot the, reboot the franchise, I would give, I would give some director like $20 million and just say, go make the best personal character driven Terminator movie you can make. Take it back to basics. Let's see some different characters. Let's put aside, you know, that Arnie is the face of this franchise. That's great. But that's in the past. That's done. Let's have a story in this in this world that is that's different. It's about some different characters. Yeah, I was I was going to say. I, so all the movies that you guys are talking about sound like complete. It sounds like Greek to me. I I, I don't know you know what you guys are talking about. I think I I think I maybe saw three around when it came out, but other than that, I haven't seen any of the other ones. My view of the Terminator sequels is sort of how I view some of the star Wars stuff. It is like such a rich world and there is so much that you can play with, but at the same time, part of why those earlier versions are ones that we enjoy so much is because we're not shown everything, you know, we're not, we don't have the scene of Han saying that he doesn't have a family and that's why he gets the last name solo. You know, the, the world is so much richer when, uh, when it's left to our imaginations, the, the Terminator world is so much richer when we can, when we just have those few scenes of what the future, you know, may have looked like and and how dirty and, and grimy it, it, it was. We, we don't need, you know, we don't need explanation for, for all of this. I don't need to see how the war played out. I don't need to see, is it Christian Bale who plays John Connor in one of them? You know, we don't yeah. need to see him leading the troops. Um, so I've never really had interest in watching any of the Terminator movies. I think another problem that they have is I was just looking through the list and they have some like pretty underwhelming directors who are uh, attached to, or were attached to all of these Terminator sequels. So like just the quality of, of filmmaking isn't up to the par of, you know, someone who's on the level of James Cameron, which obviously is going to hurt you, but it's just like, it's kind of sad every like three years, four years, five years when another Terminator movie gets churned out and, it just seems like there's no hope for it being any good. I hope someday we're pleasantly surprised and you know, there is another installment in this franchise that is awesome and, you know, makes people 
think about cool things and have cool, interesting conversations, but it just doesn't seem like that's what they're interested in. It's just uh, how can we milk this thing for as much money as possible? Wouldn't it be I, I, great if uh, James Cameron cared as much about Terminator as he does Avatar and he would oh spend gosh. the last 20 years perfecting the Terminator universe instead of... Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, but yes. at the same time, maybe, oh. maybe he realized with you know Terminator and T2 that he told all of the Terminator stories that he needed to tell or like that needed to be told. And I think maybe you're right. That's it. I mean, yeah, I agree. I, I agree with everything you said. My, the point I was making earlier is that they're going to make these movies. So let's do mm-hmm. something different. But I, I actually agree with you. I think they just should put it in a, put it in a can and, and be done with it. Just let it, just let it alone because they're not making any better. What was that? That was a cannon. That was a cannon. Oh, oh. <laughs> I was about to say, I was like, Raf, did you just like jet fly by? Like, what was that? <laughs> New York just got nuked. Uh, no. That was just um, Judgment Day. Holy smokes. Oh, shit. Yeah, that was. Skynet, just Skynet went online. Holy. Oh, my God. I think that actually, I feel like in the story timeline of the Terminator world, it probably would have happened already. It's probably like 2021. Every sequel, Raph, that's what you're missing out on. Every sequel pushes Judgment Day uh, back to the the day the the, uh, movie's released. It's it's 92, then it's 2003, then I think it's 2017, and then it's... Of course. I can't believe I'm missing all this stuff. Um, So that's enough about about the, the, the poopy versions of of Terminator. We're, we're here to, to talk about the OG Terminator. We're here to celebrate film. Uh, that's what we like to do here at the Canon. So we, we love the Terminator. It's amazing. It obviously deserves its place within the Canon. I couldn't imagine a Canon without it. If you are a movie fan, this is something that you should definitely check out. It's influenced a lot of things that we watched today and it birthed a, a franchise that maybe should or should not be around Duke doll. Any final words about the Terminator before we jump into our recommendations? No, I'm good, we've man. Said it all. We've said it all. We've said it all. Uh, well, there you have it, listener. This is, or this was, yeah, this was the Terminator. We covered it all. Now we can jump into our recommendations. Everyone's favorite part, everyone's favorite segment of the show. Duke, Doll, you guys know the rules. I know the rules. Listener, in case you're new, we'll run through them very quickly. For each movie that we introduce into the canon, we uh, we will also give three recommendations for other things to check out. If you like said movie, of those recommendations, at least one of them has to be another movie. It cannot be a movie that is uh, also in the canon. But the other two recommendations, they can be any and everything. We like to do music, TV shows, comic books, books, restaurants, like to get a little weird with it. We like to get out there. The uh, the connections to the movie can be as loose or as wild as uh, and creative as we can get. With all that said, Duke, Doll, let's jump into it. We'll go same order of your names that I just said. So we'll go Duke, Doll, Raph, and then we'll loop back around and get into it. Let's, uh, Duke, kick us off. Okay. First up, classic, going with a time travel movie, Triangle. It is like a British 
psychological thriller. It has some horror to it, similar to the Terminator, I'd say. Um, I watched this back when I did the 50 Greatest Time Travel Movies list. I don't want to say too much about it because a lot of spoilers if I do, but basically it follows a group of characters who are kind of stuck on this ocean liner that's kind of been abandoned and time travel shenanigans ensue it is kind of like a little slasher almost and i'll just say you know it doesn't reveal its full hand until the very end so you know nice again it's i'm picking it because of its kind of its time travel ties to terminator and how it uses time travel as a narrative device so triangle check it out it should be streaming that's how i watched it so uh really good film really great film i should be rewatching it looks interesting definitely definitely worth uh checking out sweet doll what do you have for us yeah i'm gonna recommend the berserker book series by fred saberhagen fred saberhagen there's no n in that yeah this is a book series that came out in the 70s or 60s maybe i think i think he was writing these well into the 80s um, there's a bunch of them out there. Some of them are like collected uh, short stories, but um, the premise is there is a murderous machine, uh, race of machines that has been unleashed on the you know universe, galaxy, whatever, by some long dead alien race, and these machines are self-replicating, and they just go around. They they were created to 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 win a war with another species. Um, unfortunately, you know the, these machines just kept going, and so they just they're all about annihilation. So they just go around wiping out sentient life. And I think it has a lot. I think the series has a lot in common with with the Terminator. Yeah, and the the art for these are, are really great. The cover art, if you can get a hold of some of these paperback copies, it's just some really interesting stories. They're fun. They're not like. Not all of them are deep, um, and the short stories are are a really uh, easy way to to get into it to get into the series. But yeah, there's a, there's a ton of them. That sounds rad. That sounds. I like that. I like that pick. It's a good first pick. Coming in hot. You guys are both coming in very hot. I love it. That's why we love this segment. Cool. For my first pick, I'm going to go with another movie that is about. That is about threats from AI destroying everything as we know it. Also starring one of the biggest movie stars of all time. But instead of Arnold uh, Schwarzenegger as one of the destructive pieces of AI, um, it's a movie starring our Lord and Savior. I probably shouldn't use that that phrasing for this guy. Starring <laughs> Tom Cruise. I'm, of course, talking about Mission, in, Mission colon Impossible dash Dead Reckoning colon part one. Interesting. I don't think there's just a the AI connection in between reckoning and part one. It's just dead reckoning part one. That's silly. Of course, there's a colon. You want to know what's even sillier? Rumor has it because Mission Eight just got delayed. They're gonna drop. They're gonna retitle it so it's not called Dead Reckoning Part Two. Oh, sorry, I I missed the full title. Uh, Mission Colon Impossible Dash Dead Reckoning Colon Part One Open Parens Mission D- Colon Impossible Dash part eight for the whole series comma for the whole series close parentheses 
I think that's the official full title of it. Ooh, I'm glad you you're closed take, those You're taking me back to my uh, You're taking me back to my <laughs> university days having to cite something. Holy smokes. Um but yeah, just another movie about about threats of, of AI. And can you imagine can you I, imagine being around the water cooler and, and, and like that's how you tell someone to see the movie? <laughs> Rattle off that coworker, whole title. Coworkers would hate me even more than they already do. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's my first pick. Not nearly as exciting as as either of yours, but uh interesting. I love I love my boy Tommy C and I'm always gonna Tommy find C ways too. to recommend his movies. I know it's it's not the best best guy to be behind, but I'm a big fan. I hate to say it, but I'm a big right fan. On. Right on. Gotta separate the art from the artist, Raph. Not always, but for for this guy, I can. Dead reckoning. All right, Duke. What's it. your what's your second pick? Second pick, uh, Dogran. I hope I'm not going to be. I hope you didn't pick this. Um, and if you did, let me know because I'll pick something else. I'm going with another 2023 movie. That deals with AI. The creator came in theaters, oh, nice. went in theaters without much of a sound, whatever that saying is. Uh, I saw it in theaters. I, I liked it. It's uh, it's it's a film that studios don't make anymore, and they should. It's original. You know, does it get does it? It's a bit boring in places. Sure. Uh, is it visually stunning for a, like an eighty million dollar film? Yes. It it has better special effects than most Marvel movies lately. I don't like if they can do that with eighty million. I, there's no reason all these Marvel movies shouldn't just look stunning. Great story, kind of about it's humans versus AI. Uh, there's this AI kind of weapon they call it that's going to just end the war for the the AI is going to win. And it's uh, this isn't a spoiler, I don't think. It's just this kid. It's like this AI kid. And so then there's a human and he kind of protects it. It's a whole, it's like almost, it's a nice little road trip film. Very good. Great, uh, great cast too. Um, uh, you got uh, Denzel's kid. What is John David or David? John Jones? David. Yeah. John David Washington. Yeah. Who uh, is slowly carving out quite a nice little sci-fi, sci-fi niche in his filmography. This and Tenet. Uh, this is leagues better than Tenet. I don't know where you fall on that film, but. I, I like hmm. the creator quite a bit, and I, I wish it did better at the box office so that it would give studios more incentive to fund these types of films. Because, And uh, the director of this, who did uh, Rogue One, I don't remember his name. Sorry, buddy. Um, but he was Edwards. even talking. Yeah, Gareth Edwards. He was even talking in a interview about how when you have less money in your budget, it forces you to get creative. Similar to like how the Terminator, you know, you, you don't, when you have a lot of money, you start showing stuff you don't need to show, you know, you, your eyes become wide. You, you see the possibilities where when you have a smaller budget, he was saying, you know, it forces you to think, you know, how can I capture this shot? What's the, you know, how to stretch the dollar. And he was then talking about how Star Wars and Marvel could definitely replicate that. It's easier, he says, to go from having a smaller budget to a big budget than it is to have to go from a big to smaller vice versa something like that but yeah creator love it if it's still in your theater go watch it give it all the box office earnings it can get nice good pick something something very current we like that doll what's your second pick i am gonna go with colossus colon the forbin project 
from 1970, directed by Joseph Sargent and starring a bunch of people that I don't know. This movie is kind of slow. It is of its era, for sure. You know, she's coming out of the 60s. But it's about AI run amok. You know, one of these government cedes too much power to computers and it runs amok and like I said, it's it's paced a bit slow, but it is uh, related, I think, to to Terminator in in themes and stuff like that. And it's definitely worth a watch if you're interested in this kind of thing, and you don't mind uh, something that's a bit old, something's a bit dated. Definitely add this into your your watch list and check it out. Love it. Um, yeah, that sounds like an interesting an interesting pick. I like when I like when we go a little bit off the beaten path for some interesting movies that folks otherwise maybe wouldn't check out. That's again, that's why we love this, this portion of the episode. So with my second pick, I'm going to go with another movie and I didn't realize it when I picked it, but it's actually another Tom Cruise movie, (laughs) but there's something about Terminator and it's like a Los Angeles movie they're like pretty much just takes place at night. It might be over the course of one night. And I don't know why, but I just couldn't shake the feeling of another movie that takes place in Los Angeles over the course of a night with an unhinged killer on the loose. I'm of course talking about Michael Mann's collateral. Oh, yeah, it's a weird connection, but for some reason, while I was watching Terminator, I, I just couldn't stop thinking about its connection to collateral. And I totally did not realize when I wrote it down that I was picking two Tom Cruise movies. Classic. We'll allow it, Raph. We'll allow it. We'll allow it. And you know what? I'll draw another comparison for you. Tom Cruise is playing a villain in collateral. Usually plays the hero. Schwarzenegger's first Terminator. The villain usually plays the hero. Boom. Mm. Duke. There you go. You're, you're always, you know, that's, that's, you're the, that's why we pay you the big bucks. (laughs) <laughs> what big <laughs> <laughs> all right n- moving on moving right on uh, yeah duke what's your third pick well you were talking about going off the beaten path i'm staying straight on it uh but i got you got to hear me out here loki season two yes it's a marvel movie but loki is by far the best it's actually uh, a marvel tv show well mcu it's all <laughs> It's all the same. It best, it's the best Disney Plus series. It's also the best thing Marvel's released in a long time. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, also right there. Great. It's rooted in time travel, follows the variant of Loki introduced in Avengers Endgame. Um, TVA, it's this time variance authority that uh, governs the sacred timeline of the MCU. Kangs, yada, yada, yada. Season 2, by far, is even better than season one. And now it's starting to deal with um, the first episode kind of deals with Loki being kind of uh, what's it called? Time slipping, which is kind of this like really horrific, like visually it just, you just show like his body being pulled apart and then he kind of like snaps into the past or the present. And it's just got this great time travel story right now, much better than anything Marvel's trying to do with time travel in their other series. So, uh, if you've fallen off of the uh, MCU train or haven't even got on it, catch up, give Loki a try. 
you don't have to watch anything else besides the Thor movies and probably the Avengers films, but they're all good. So, well, maybe not some of the Thor films, but get back to Loki by far. Some of the best mm-hmm. uh, writing visually. They actually built sets. It's not all green screen. There's actually like Imagine. fully 360 sets. Yeah. Old school filmmaking, making a show look a million times better than anything else. Who would have thought? So yeah, Loki Love season it. two. Owen Wilson's Sweet. in it. Come on. Wow. Ka-chow. <laughs> Dull. Wow. You have to do a you have to do a Owen Wilson impression now. Uh, I I got nothing. I got nothing. Oh. Come on, just give us one quick one quick wow. 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 <laughs> was somebody wow. saying saying the other day? I heard someone say the other day that um what would happen if uh, never mind. I, I can't remember what it was. It was it, it was funny. Just believe me. <laughs> Just go with ah, it. Someone said something and it was funny. It was funny. It was about, it was about, it was about. That's, still, that's, <laughs> that's your about third recommendation. Wilson. Someone said something funny. Go. All right. You ready for my third? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah man. I, there were movies that I want to, wanted to recommend, but I feel like every time I get on, get on a mic and I'm talking to, you know, more than five people, I want to recommend books because people should read. They really should read. Uh, so I'm going to recommend another book called A Canticle for Leibowitz by Walter M. Miller mm. Jr. Walter M. Miller Jr. Uh, it's a sci-fi book from, uh, man, when's it, when was that published? I don't know. It's old, right? Probably 70s, something like that. But it's about the human race gets nuked. And society basically breaks down completely and we kind of have to rebuild. And it, it follows this like Catholic, I guess this Catholic monastery that preserves scientific knowledge. And anyway, the, the whole, the whole book spans like, I don't know how many couple thousand years or something like that. And, it's just a really, really interesting science fiction book that begins with the premise of mankind practically wiping itself out and having to to start all over again. And it's really good. It's a classic uh, science fiction book, and you should go read that. Love it. Yeah, go go down to your local library, show them the good old library card, and, and, and check out this book. And you're right, uh-huh. Dahl. People should read more. I won't. I just like to watch movies. But, you know, no one wants to be a, a dummy like me. So so go out and read so you can be cool and smart like Dahl. Yeah, um, Raph, you're part of the problem, my guy. Come on. Oh, it was published in 59. That's older than I thought it was. 1959? Yeah, that's, oh, that's no. too old. It doesn't, it yeah. doesn't read like that, though. Um, <laughs> really, no, seriously. Like, I've read things from that era, especially, especially sci-fi. I'm not a big fan of, of, of uh, older, like, really old sci-fi. It's just very... I don't know. They, they get yeah. They get they get so wrapped H.G. up. H.G. Wells's books are 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 tough to get through. Like yeah. they, the description well, in old books, Asimov, like three pages. Oh. I read I read a lot of Asimov when I was younger, and it just I don't know. Yeah, dry is a good word. They just forget that they need to write about something that's like relatable to humans. That's how I feel <laughs> about it anyway. But this this doesn't read like I don't think this reads as old as as some of the stuff we're talking about. So yeah, good pick. Good pick. Uh, we, we appreciate you because otherwise people would just be getting 
you know, whatever, whatever dumb Tom stuff Cruise. Duke and I are, are recommending. Yeah. The Tom, just Cruise, Tom Cruise movie. Yeah. So my third pick, it's actually also a Tom Cruise. Movie. No, I'm kidding. It's <laughs> minority um, report. <laughs> yeah. It, it probably would be minority report or war of the worlds. Um, but it's, it's neither of those. So this is going to sound really weird, but I want you guys to follow me down this path. So I told you guys I couldn't shake the thought of collateral while I was watching this movie. There was another thing that I couldn't shake, and that was the thought of ice cream. I feel like this movie is like a good uh, scoop of just like really quality ice cream. I do think that Sarah at one point like hides in a ice cream shop, but I might be mistaken. I, I don't know if I'm remembering there, that There's correctly. a kid who puts a scoop of ice cream in her waitress dress. There, There is that. So maybe that's why. there. It, it felt like there were... There was a lot of ice cream, not a lot, but there was enough ice cream stuff going on uh, that I couldn't stop thinking about it. Maybe I was just craving ice cream and that's what it was. But then I was thinking about this one particular ice cream shop in New York City, and that's what I'm going to recommend. I'm going to recommend that everyone go, if you're ever in New York City, if you're ever visiting, you know, do do all the touristy stuff. Check out the Empire State Building, uh, go see the Statue of Liberty, see a play on Broadway, uh, go to the Met see uh you know the sea central park all all of that stuff but while you're here while you're in new york you also got to check out big gay ice cream in the west village and i'm going to tell you why i'm going to tell you its connection to the terminator so the terminator it's this movie it's it's made up of all these classic elements you know it is it's got a pretty standard but very well-paced narrative. It's got a very standard uh, you know, protagonist who goes on, like Dahl was saying, she goes on a great arc. It's a pretty classic sci-fi story, but at the same time, it's mixing in elements of the horror genre. And what they do at Big Gay Ice Cream is they introduce a lot of like really cool flavors and stuff. So like it's ice cream and it's like really well-made ice cream, but they also they'll they have uh scoops with like potato chips and pretzels and you know peanut butter and and all that kinds of crazy stuff and you you think like none of that should work the same way if you were reading about the terminator on paper you'd be like none of this should work you know not not at all but it's just so ballsy that it does and big gay ice cream is the same way so if you're in new york if you live here or if you're visiting check out big gay ice cream I, I like how say, you. I like how you connected all that. Okay, I got. I got to say, Rob, if, if you heard me chuckling, that was because I pulled up Big Gay Ice Cream's Wikipedia page where you were when you mentioned it, and I got to say this quote. I got to read this quote from uh, one of the co-founders, if you'll allow me. Oh, let's hear it, please. According to uh, Doug Quint, if I weren't gay, I wouldn't call it the Big Gay. Oh, because the Big Gay Ice Cream, it's it's the it's a double meaning because he's gay in real life, but it also ties into the original older seldom used definition of happy says wikipedia so according to quint if i weren't gay i wouldn't call it the big gay ice cream truck and if i weren't happy i wouldn't have the big gay ice cream truck it would just be the big crabby ice cream truck and just <laughs> big crabby kind of elicited a <laughs> chuckle from me <laughs> just <laughs> that big I, I feel gay like ice big cream crab, big crabby ice cream though i feel like that could also maybe take off like i i just want to check it out could. that just they're just I feel like big gay is a little thing. It, big gay is a little more inviting and like the storefront it's like it's nice and it's colorful and, and you walk in and you're like this place is lovely and then they ha- they serve you delicious ice cream so what's not to love 
Raph, you keep um, recommend every time I'm on, you recommend a food place in New York, and I'm gonna have to book a trip sometime. You gotta book a trip. There's there's places. uh there's good food out here. What was the other um, one? It was it was like a Planet Mario or something. I don't know. No, the other like one is place. was closed, but it was yeah. it was similar to Planet Pizza in Toy Story. Yeah, that's so if anyone's interested to hear what I recommended for that, what restaurant I recommended, please go listen to our Toy Story episode. I guess um, I'll have to uh, hop in my uh, time machine and go back in time to hit a mm, pizza, whatever mm. it was called. Ah, Every time I'm there, I want to spend all my time in Central Park. That's is a beautiful Central Park. It's, it's, Central Park is amazing. Gorgeous. So is, so is Big Gay Ice Cream. <laughs> well, you can get a Big Gay Ice Cream and you can go stroll through Central Park. How about yeah, that? there's food trucks. Yeah. What if there's a food truck at Central Park? You never know. There you go. Got to try it out. And you bring your laptop, you watch the Tom Cruise movies Raph recommended while you eat your big gay ice cream in Central Park. Yeah, you go to the New York Public Library, you take out some of the books that Dahl recommended. It's Make a great time. Yeah. Just don't get any of the ice cream Gentlemen, the because they will, they'll, 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 they'll charge you that's, for that. Yeah, that's not, that's not good. That's a big that's no-no. Big no-no. Um, big no-no, big gay ice cream. Big gay no-no. <laughs> big, gay, big gay no-no. <laughs> Before... <laughs> Before we get out of here, because it seems like we're all losing our minds, let's quickly run through our recommendations one more time. Boom, boom, boom. And we'll go same order. Duke, go for it. I got Triangle. It's a psychological thriller horror film. I have The Creator, sci-fi film dealing with AI. Still playing in theaters, maybe. Go see it. And then I got Loki Season 2, set in the MCU, but it's pretty much standalone. Watch it if you've fallen off the MCU train. I've got the Berserker book series by Fred Saberhagen, murderous machines marching across the galaxy. They're unstoppable. They're here to kill. Read it. Uh, I've got Colossus, the Forbin Project, an old movie, uh, yeah, 1970 movie about AI run amok. Kind of slow, but but uh, worth checking out. And then I've got A Canticle for Leibowitz. Uh, by Walter M. Miller Jr. It's an old science fiction book about nuclear annihilation and uh, humanity rebuilding itself, I think a couple times actually over the course of maybe one or two or 3,000 years. So really interesting book. For sure, check it out. And I've got Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, Collateral, and Big Gay Ice Cream. Duke, Doll. Thank you guys again for for joining. This has been an absolute pleasure. Another wonderful movie, forever enshrined into the canon. Any final words, anything that folks should be looking out for on the website or any parting words of wisdom for anyone? Ooh, uh... Time's up, kid. We got to get out of here. <laughs> what is that for? That's all I've got for you. Is that? Dalton, oh, is that you have your own soundboard? That? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was right. High tech, high tech over here, guys. Hey, shut up! Stop talking. Get out of here. Uh, <laughs> that was amazing. That was great. I, 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 guys. No, we just got lot, lots of good stuff still on Screenage Wasteland um, coming up in November 2023. So if you're listening to this later, go to the archives. Uh, yeah, lots of stuff coming up over the month. 
Uh, lots of great horror stuff we just did in October you can check out. And then, of course, Christmas is coming up. We'll have some good stuff then. Otherwise, you know, you can catch me uh, watching Back to the Future. Or Amazing. Well, thank uh, you guys again. Uh, sorry, Dal, go for it. Uh, I am working on a fiction project that uh, I, if, if, you know, at the pace that I work, look for that in about 30 or 40 years. Spicy. Be great. We'll be, be great. on the lookout for it. Yeah. That, that's awesome though. Don't um, hold your breath. We, we will, we will certainly be looking forward to that. In the meantime, you can check out other episodes of the Canon. Uh, we'll be back next week with intolerance. Sailor and I will be chatting about that. A movie I've not seen, I believe, uh, a pretty early on silent film. So that'll be a really cool, cool episode uh, to to check out. But until then, in the meantime, screenagers, uh, stay safe, stay awesome, and we will see you in the wasteland. Mm-hmm.